welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Four and one, baby. Let's go. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. What is this joy that I feel like? I just It's hard to know what to do with yourself. I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. They're just sitting here doing the podcast. Don't know how to really express myself. Check, checking playoff standings. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, Matthew. You were trying to do that earlier in the season, so I, w- can- I was, and I and I actually feel good about the statements that I made at that point on on which teams were going to be relevant, which teams were not. What was it? Um, the Raiders and the- no, I, I said we we're fight. We're, I mean, really, we're fighting with the Colts, Raiders, and um, Patriots, and yep. Steelers or Ravens. If we're looking at a wild card spot, we can still win this division. Yeah, like <laughs> that is a possibility. Wouldn't that be wild? The best this division hey, started. Let's go in many for that years. bye week. Yeah, number one spot. The, the baby. one bye week. Yeah. Um, so it, it almost feels unrealistic. It's like, yeah. nah, we'll just. Yeah. yeah. If it happens, that'd be great. But yeah, doesn't matter. So obviously, we are overjoyed. We are sitting here on a Monday afternoon, and we wanted to call our overjoyed grandfather and hear what he had to say. It's been a long time since his be- he's been able to experience a four and one Browns team. So here for your listening pleasure is that conversation. Oh, hey, Grandpa, how are you? Oh, Matthew, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. I've never felt better. The Browns are four and one. I never <laughs> thought I'd see the day. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really a great feeling, isn't it? It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, what was your what was your favorite moment of the game yesterday? My favorite moment was uh, when uh, let's see, uh, the catch by uh, let me see, let's see. I had to think a minute. <laughs> at the at the fourth quarter, I think it was when was it uh, Higgins? Higgins? Who was it? Higgins caught that. Um, Higgins caught that interception. Made that that uh, long run. Oh, Darnus Johnson. You talking about Darnus Johnson to, 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 like, to, like, to seal the Johnson. game right at the end. Johnson had that twenty-three uh, yard run there when when they really needed something. Yeah, it was third. It was third nine, and Baker had tried to throw yeah. previously, and he didn't look good. And then we yeah. ran ran for I think it was 23, 28 yards, something like that. 20, yeah. yeah, and then. It was a red wine. He comes into the game and he, and he makes an interception. Right, that was that was really an opportune interception. There, I mean, he was a, couldn't have come at a better time. But, huh? No, I mean the for him to come in in his very first snap on defense be an interception is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say I wasn't calling for it for a while. Yeah, Michael. Michael's been a really big Sheldrick Redwine fan for a, for a while here, um, so he was vindicated a little bit here. It's almost annoying. Um, yeah, he was. But I will take it. I will take it. Um, do you? It rem- was. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Uh, you go ahead. What were you going to say? Was, I was going to ask. Do you remember vividly? I mean, it's it was 1994 when the Browns were last four and one, it was under Belichick there in 1994. Do you remember that team? Uh, 
I can't say that I do verbatim, but it was a couple years a couple years before they they moved to Baltimore, so they were yeah. they were pretty good at that point. Yeah, well, that's uh, that was just about uh, the time when uh, Bel when uh, uh, Modell fired Belichick, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the year before. It was the year before because I think '95 was the last year, so '94 they were. They were pretty good. They, they were rolling. I think they ended up being ten and six. That's and they came back in ninety nine, wasn't it? They came back yep. in ninety nine. Yeah, and yeah. and it's been bad ever since. Yeah, I was I was really uh, I was really happy with uh, with uh, uh, Johnson and Redwine. Uh, you know, uh, came came across when they really needed something. You know, and. Of course, Mayfield got sacked a couple of times, but uh, and he threw he threw a couple of picks, but for the most part, they were pretty good. At least they didn't give up thirty points this week; it was only twenty. So there, there's a improvement there. <laughs> and we scored. I mean, the Colts were the number one defense in the league coming into That's this right. week, and we scored uh, thirty thirty two points on them. Yeah, you know what I think? I think that the Colts were. Their their whole game plan was was uh, was based on stopping the run, and there was no run in the first half. They were all passes, and, and they I think that sort of it sort of blew them apart. They didn't know what the hell to do, and in the second the second half, then Hunt started uh, picking up some uh, yardage and everything. But you know, Hunt is a he's a he's a good back, but. And I don't think he's just – I just don't think he's got the stamina that uh, uh, that Chubb had, you know. He's, he's, a, he's a good runner, but I don't think he's there. He's, he's not good for the whole damn game, I don't know. What do you think? It certainly helps to have both – be able to mix both of them in there interchangeably um, and yeah. be, be able to stay. I, and Hunt hasn't had that workload for for a number of years at this point, so I think he's probably working back up to it. I also think the the Colts are just really good at stopping the run, like like that front seven is stout. Like we had no, we were getting little to no push. There weren't many running lanes. Even when Hunt would run for four or five yards, it would be an impressive four or five yards for him to get, yeah. squeeze through a hole yeah. and fight through a tackle to get there. Um, yeah, it was it was tough fighting there in the trenches all day long. Yeah, it was. They they played they played a tough game, and I. I, I think that I think that they purposely uh, put the put the ground game on the back burner for the first half because they really didn't do much running because of the because of the Colts front line, you know. Yeah. And they and they used it and they uh, they oversaw they overcame the 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 Colts front line by some good passing and uh, I mean you can't you can't you can't take it away from from uh, Beckman, <laughs> you know, and Landry. I mean, these guys, I mean, they are phenomenal, you know? What are you – Are how are you feeling about this year, Grandpa? I mean, four and one, well, I never could have imagined it. I This steel, <laughs> this week against the Steelers is going to be revealing. It uh, feels good. I, I'm a little apprehensive about next week. I don't know. Uh, the Steelers, you know, the Steelers are still the Steelers, and uh, the Browns are always. They always, it's always a tough, tough game. And the youth, the Browns haven't been coming up on those. Uh, they've been coming on the short end of the stick out of a lot of those Steeler games. So I think that uh, if they, if they can, uh, if they can play 
uh, Indianapolis, uh, with Indianapolis is uh, as good as they are supposed to be. I'm sure they can probably play Pittsburgh and be good too. Of course, Pittsburgh is what the four or four and zero now. Yeah, they're four and zero. They've already had their bye week because their game with the Titans got moved. Um, uh, so they're four and zero. They have just as many wins as we do. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. We can take them. I think so. I think so. Uh, and. Uh, Hey, this guy's this guy's a, a an animal. I mean, these guys. You know, they're double teaming them the whole game. You uh, know, yeah. And, I'm glad you're coming around to that. And and you know, that's got to leave somebody open. I mean, somebody open to, to make some make some uh, cause some pain for the other team when they're double teaming. Yeah. Uh, um, no, he's he's been absolutely phenomenal. He's he's leading the league in sacks right now. He's second in quarterback pressures. He's leading the league in forced fumbles. He was responsible for that that safety um, that we had when Philip Rivers threw it away, um, intentional <laughs> grounding. It was because of Miles Garrett's pressure. You, you know, I've seen you know I've seen some uh, Lawrence Cross. He was still in the he was still in the uh, end zone, but that was uh, that was something. I think he he really didn't want to do that, but it was just a hurried thing and he probably wasn't thinking too clearly yeah I, I was i was trying to figure out what he was trying to do if he just panicked or <laughs> and i think he was trying to tell the ref that the wide receiver ran the wrong route and like there was supposed to be somebody there, there which was... which wouldn't matter like like <laughs> the, the intent doesn't matter it's the you want to tell that the guy he yeah. cut into he cut in instead of cutting out yeah <laughs> and the ref's but, like uh philip i don't really care it doesn't matter well yeah it's uh I'm 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 so happy. I mean I mean I was uh, I was just about drained. I says and uh, and Nancy's here and your dad called. I says I says I don't know. I says I'm I'm just thoroughly drained here. I says I and my, she she says I never heard you yelling at everything so much in the game. <laughs> I, says, well, I says she says you don't do that for the other games. I said we don't care about the other games. I only watch I only watch the Browns. You know. Uh, yeah. Well, man, I, I just can't believe that we're sitting here at four and one. If you had told me at the beginning of the season, looking at the stretch of games at the beginning, knowing who we were playing, um, there being some you know legitimate tests in those five games that we'd be sitting yeah. four and one, I would not have believed you. So, well, you know what? If if we had a full stadium down there, it would probably been a hell of a lot better because the uh, the crowd noise would have really really tipped the scales in our favor. Yeah. <laughs> when when we get when we get that stadium full back when we can, that place is gonna be rocking. Oh yeah. Like you yes. you have a winning Cleveland Browns team, yeah. that place is gonna lose its oh, mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh it's it's really nice to see things clicking, you know. Uh uh I I I just hope that the the things keep going the way they're going. Uh uh I I don't think that uh, Baker was hurt too. He was holding his arm there last about the last five minutes there. I I, I thought he hurt his elbow, but they said he, it was just uh, some rib bruises or something. Did you did you hear what he said after the game when he was asked about it? They no. asked they asked if he would play next week against Pittsburgh, and he, yeah, he he responded to the reporter. He goes, "Yes, Mama didn't raise no wuss." Oh, <laughs> well. I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to be a hell of a game. I'm telling you. I, my neighbor Jack over there. He's a Pittsburgh. He's oh, that's a Pittsburgh right. Fan. Yeah. You guys so going to watch I, it together? 
Well, I told him, I says, you know, I says, I says, if you usually he goes up to the up to the tavern over there where they, you know, to watch the Steelers game. I said, well, I says, if if uh, if they're not showing on local TV next week, I says, I says, come on over and you can watch the game together. I said, but don't think I'm going to clap for the Steelers. You know, I says, you're on your own. <laughs> That's great. I was telling Nancy the other just the uh, yesterday. I said, no, I used to. Well, I didn't have the uh, the Sunday package for for a while, and the Browns were losing. I said, go go to the go to the tavern over there and sit there, and I put a bag over my head when they're watching the, <laughs> watching the Browns play. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know like they, they they used to do for the Saints, they start, yeah. and they put the bag over. There. So I could sit there at the, at the table there with a bag over my head. <laughs> You don't have but, to do that anymore. No, but that was it wasn't a matter of if they were gonna lose or how much are they gonna lose by. <laughs> hey, did you see where Romeo Cornell is now now head coach at Bozo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he might he be a, older than you, Grandpa. Uh no. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> But I, you know, he was—he was such a, a nothing with the with the with the Browns. I'm just, I think they think they just made him the uh, Houston just made him the coach over there because they didn't have anybody else. But I don't know. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything too bad about Romeo Cornell. We were ten and six one season under Romeo Cornell, so that that's pretty uh, good in my book. That's the gold standard <laughs> for the Browns since they've come back. Well, he's he didn't last too long. Long, longer than most, I think Romeo got about four seasons. Like that's that's a that's a long tenure in the last. He was never he was never he was never very high in my book. I didn't I didn't think he was he was he was he'd stand there like like a gargoyle on the side. You never knew what, <laughs> you never you never knew if he was if he was happy, sad, anxious, or what. You know, just very no expression on his face. Uh, like a gargoyle. <laughs> so, uh, this is actually a good question. Grandpa, do you get nervous before Browns games? Uh, very. Very. <laughs> I, I can relate to that. I'm right there that. with you. But Mike, Michael is always so confident throughout the week, and then like an hour before kickoff, he gets like this really fatalistic attitude. He gets really nervous, and he's like, nope, we're going to lose. It's terrible. We're no, not very good. We're going to lose. I don't assume we're going to lose. I'm just nervous about things going wrong, and like, man, it just gets me. I get so worked up. Yeah, well. I'm just, uh, you know, I, I just sit there and, and keep my fingers crossed that the Browns don't do any turnovers, you know. And uh, a lot of times that works, but you know, hold on to the ball because, you know, these, these runners really get hammered when when they're running. You know, it's, it's amazing that they can hold on to the ball sometimes. No kidding. Uh, you know, uh, Landry and the Beckham, they made a couple of some catches there that I – I didn't know until after I saw the replay. I didn't know how the hell they ever caught the ball. You know, it's phenomenal. It's been yeah. it's been impressive. The Browns are have the scored the most points in the AFC so far this year. Yeah, which, but they've given up about the most. Too. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's been close to the most. I haven't seen the I haven't seen the game stats, but I think they were they were they gave up the most points up until yesterday so i don't know how how that thing changed 
Yeah. Well, it doesn't hey. it doesn't help that we got blown out in week one. Yeah. yeah. Hey, guys. So, all right. Well, we'll let you go. Okay. Thanks right. for calling. Good talking to you guys. You too. See you, Grandpa. <laughs> See you, Grandpa. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, uh, consistency from Grandpa. <laughs> I, I, I love it so much. Um, answering the phone with a laugh, calling Odell Beckham Jr. Beckman. All but he, the, but he the, oscillates back and forth. He yeah. calls him Beckman, and then he calls him Beckham. Yeah. So I, I'm not really sure what's happening there. He knows his name. He just doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'll call him what I want. It's so, so good. I uh, I was just glad that he came on the same side of the table as me and uh, revealed his true feelings before Browns games and that he gets tied up in knots and that he lives and dies by the Browns. At, at least you come upon it honestly. Yes. Yeah, it's it's hard coded into your DNA. It's not your it's not your fault, Michael. Me and Matthew are cool as a cucumber the whole time. Um, I get more confident like as we get closer to game time. Yeah, I mean, and especially now, there's no reason not to be confident. We'll see. Obviously, the Steelers are going to be a test next week, um, a division rival. There's a reason to be nervous about that, but it seems like we're truly building as the season goes on. Um, our offense is more and more confident week after week. And largely, I think the story of this game is exactly like Grandpa was talking about. We showed that we could win in multiple dimensions, that we don't have to win by running the ball. We got stuffed the entire game running against the um, Indianapolis Colts, a team whose defense is by all measurable accounts one of the best in the NFL. We'll see another one next week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But to see that we can throw the ball and see success through Baker Mayfield and through these talented wide receivers – was the most encouraging takeaway for from me. But what about you guys? Well, that we can win games in multiple ways. Yep. We can win games in multiple ways, and it doesn't have to – everything doesn't have to go perfect. I mean, we gave it, We gave up a couple sacks. Baker threw a couple interceptions. Um, there's room to fix things, but we've got a lot, so much larger of a margin of error this year than we have had in years past where everything had to go perfect for us to win these games. Um, Everything didn't go perfect this week, and we, we got the win against a pretty good Colts team. It didn't go perfect, but there were a lot of things that went well, and I think some of those things start to go well when you're – that are – you know, make a difference in games when you're feeling confident and you're when you're well-prepared. I'm thinking of some of those contested catches. Like, some of the feedback I've heard from people is saying, like, the first half and the second half was so different, like, on offense – which if you look at the raw numbers and the stats, yes, that is true. But think about how many of those contested catches we completed in the first half. I mean, that ball that Landry caught over the back of the defender, the the ball that Odell Beckham like miraculously caught as his head was getting taken off um, midair. Which you know, I'd, I still contend had to have been a penalty somehow. Right. I don't, I don't really know what I would call there. It just it didn't pass the sniff test. <laughs> for, like not being a penalty. I, I watched it, and I was like, there's got to be a flag there. I don't know what. We need a call. The ref goes up yeah. and says exactly that. He's like, I don't know what happened there, but I didn't like yeah. it. Yeah. It would be a giving him the business situation. Yeah. Giving him the business. Personal foul. So true. Giving him the business. So true. And I think Hooper had a really pretty ridiculous catch in the first half, too. Yeah. But those catches, if those aren't completed, you're not feeling rosy about Baker Mayfield's first half. Like we were going into halftime. And then I, mean, I, they be- were, I believe uh, Jarvis's two drops were in the second half. Exactly. Right? They were in the second half. And so, like, that pendulum kind of swung in the other direction in the second half. And everybody thinks that, you know, Baker didn't play as well in the second half. Well, I think he did what he was asked to do. We were able to run the ball a little bit better in the second half, found some success there. 
then he had some good opportunities. He got the ball to Landry, which would have been a clear first down on his first drop, and he just dropped the ball. We're going to keep moving. He's going to rack up more He, more he made mistakes, too, in the second half. Yeah, but the also the game script, I mean, we're, we're just not going to be going for it like we were in, in that first half. Yep. So, I mean, overall, it is super exciting to play a well-coached team like the Colts are and appear better prepared than them. Like and to execute yeah. like and Frank with Frank whatever. Reich is one of the best head coaches in the league to come in in recent years. Very well prepared. Like to be able to go toe to toe and feel like we're prepared and not being out coached actively. Yeah, but, it's so crazy to watch a well coached Browns team. Like yeah. it's just we had it's two like, penalties. I know one of which was a holding on Denzel Ward. I correct forget what the other I'm, one was. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think in that first half, we scored every time we had the ball. We did. We did. Yeah, we had two the ball. T- two had, touchdowns, two field goals. Yeah, we had the ball four times, and we scored every time. Like, I was a little bummed that we didn't, you know, put a touchdown in the on other that penal- first drive. The other but- penalty was a holding on Mitchell on yes. the outside. So <clears throat> our, our two penalties are on our defensive secondary, on our corners, which I'll take. Sometimes it's the right call. You're playing aggressive. Like, you got to do it. If that's the only place you're going to get penalties – I mean go to go back to go back to scoring on all four possessions in the first half against the top ranked defense in the NFL coming into this game by multiple measures, by multiple measures. Um, so that's just super exciting. I mean, now they were without probably possibly their best defensive player, second best defensive player, Darius Leonard. I think that helps us a lot. Um, but you got to take advantage when those opportunities arise, and the Browns were able to do that. Yeah, and Darius Leonard would elevate their linebackers. Their linebackers did not play poorly. I yeah, don't. I don't feel like played, we took advantage of like their weakness at linebacker necessarily. I mean, they played great against the run. I expected a little bit more um, over the middle. It was interesting. I would like to. I haven't actually seen the snap counts. I don't know if you guys have, but I didn't. I don't remember seeing much of Harrison Bryant in this game. And maybe he was asked to just block more, and we didn't throw anything. He picked his up way. an injury at some point. Okay. I mean, obviously, there was a handful of plays where Njoku was out there. Um, did Njoku ever end up getting a catch? He did. Game? He did, yeah. And he got upended like he always does. Nice flip. <laughs> but y- the story of this game was consistent with what we've seen the last few weeks. The offense was well-prepared and is executing very, very well. And Miles Garrett is wrecking shop on the other side of the ball. <sighs> And it's forcing turnovers. Our defense is not really good, but we've done a great job forcing turnovers and making those impact plays, which covers up a lot, papers over a lot of cracks. Yeah. When you can give up yards, but you end up getting a turnover, it's a win for the defense. In this situation that we're in with a tattered secondary that's not what we thought we were going to have going into the season, nothing is patching up that problem better than Miles Garrett getting to the quarterback and causing pressure as fast as he is. Exactly like you're saying. He caused a safety. He got us two points off that. And then he caused interceptions. Yeah, absolutely insane. He had a sack at the beginning of the game, and he was just consistently causing pressures. I think he he – he had a lot of pressures, but the, the stat that I heard somebody talking about with relation to Miles Garrett today on a pocket, and I wish I could give credit where it's due, but I forget who it was. They said that Miles Garrett has been credited with eight forced turnovers due to his pressures this season. Now that's three directly from his forced fumbles, and then you know five others that probably includes the um, the safety in this game, and then four interceptions. 
I mean, that'll win. Talk you, about that'll win you a game. Talk about itself. making a difference. Yeah. I mean, he is just he's requiring so much attention. He's hardly ever in single coverage. Like he's getting double teamed, drawing extra attention. It is just absolutely unreal. Does he get credited a sack for that safety? No, I don't think you can get a sack when no one's tackled. Um, but he would have gotten the sack. Certainly yeah. would have. Yeah. Philip Rivers was pissing his pants. Yeah, Philip Rivers was, <laughs> yeah, filling his pants with something. Yeah. It was. Uh, it oh, was so fun to watch. So 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 satisfying. One of the things that I'm seeing from this Dallas game and then this game is we get ahead, we we execute our game plan to perfection, and then it seems like we're on our heels and we're just trying to not mess up in the second half. That we're not playing the same game script and we're just trying to hold on to the lead when it gets kind of nerve-wracking there towards the end. Um, do you guys think that that's going to be – it's obviously exciting and it's a good place to be, but do you think that's going to be a problem going forward? I mean, I wouldn't like some, I wouldn't say that in this game. I didn't feel that way, like we were giving up a bunch of yarded yards or points to the Colts necessarily. I mean, their touchdown in the second – their first touchdown in the second half, was it their only touchdown in the second half? Yeah, it would have been. Was the kick kick return. I mean, the only they only scored one offensive touchdown in this game, right? I don't think that's true. I think they had two, but let me pull up the. Did twenty? They had twenty three points in the game, right? Did they go for two and miss it? That is what happened, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, no, they did. They only had one offensive touchdown in this game. Yeah, you're right. Rodrigo Blankenship, three for three. Yeah. So I just I didn't feel like we were giving up you know yards and big chunks like we did against the Cowboys. Um, whenever we kind of got ahead, I mean that kickoff return was kind of killer when all the momentum was going in our direction after the pick six, and then for them to come right back. But um, I gave, don't know if I agree with I don't know if I agree with we get we get, we gave up three hundred eight yards in this game. That's not that many. That is not that many. That's a winning formula. Yeah, the thing uh, kind of along the same lines that's been actually really encouraging to me and something that just seems so foreign from being a Browns fan for my entire life is to get into these situations down in the fourth quarter where we get the ball with chunks of time left and we need to chew up time and we're actually able to do it and move the chains. I mean, that run from Darnus Johnson to like keep things moving. I mean, I I think I cheered as loudly whenever that happened as I did when Ronnie Harrison returned that well let's, six. well, let's take it back one play before that. Because one play before that, it was second and nine. Mm-hmm. And the Browns chose to pass yeah. the football. Baker had previously come, gotten sacked on third down the previous possession, hurt something in his throwing arm area, whether it's a shoulder. It looked like a shoulder at the time. It looked like it was dangling. They're, they're saying it's a rib. Um, I don't know that I love that. I mean – I like the aggressiveness in theory, but in practice, you really want to make them burn that final timeout. And then knowing that your quarterback or having the awareness that your quarterback might not be a hundred percent, it was a high percentage throw that we ended up just throwing into the ground because it was a screen that got blown up. But that I was wondering if that throw that into the hurts. ground was actually intentional or if that was because Baker was hurt. I think it was intentional because it, there wasn't anywhere to go with the ball. But that could have come back to bite us in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 
I agree. But I, actually, going back to what Michael was saying about the uh, the running the ball at the end of the game to close the game out, we, we struggled to run the ball most of this game. The second but half was better. Whenever but... we needed to, and yep. that's what you're looking for out of a tr- – like, that's the best part about a team that can run the ball well is yep. someone who in the fourth quarter can run the ball when they need to and get those first downs. And we did it a couple, couple times there at the end, especially that Dernish Johnson run. Yeah, and all of that, though, that Dernish Johnson run was the big chunk. Got us down there. But then <laughs> I was – I hate that I wasn't able to watch the game with you guys yesterday. But, Matthew, you were here with Dad. Yep. What was the the general sentiment whenever Cody Parkey lined up for that field goal? And what – I Dad, mean, at that point, it was 29 to 23, right? So we had a six-point lead. You know, if they – if we miss that field goal, they get the ball there and can go down and beat us with a touchdown and an extra point. So I just – this happened in the Vikings game last night too, a, a pretty similar situation where yeah. it, was, it was fourth and short. They chose to, to line up um, and go for it instead of kicking the field goal. Would have taken them to eight just like we did. Um, well, we went to nine. We went to nine. So it's different. So it is – the math it's, it's does different. make it different. I – dad was concerned Cody was going to miss it because he always is worried about the kickers missing it. He's, he he's, he's very, like, pessimistic he in did, that way. He did doink it. Yeah, he, it did, he did doink it. It wasn't the double doink. Which it was the single doink. He, he did make a statement that it finally went our way as, <laughs> as if we've had many doinks off the uprights that don't go our way. I can't remember <laughs> any significant ones. <laughs> just like the general feeling of like vindication, like it's finally come around. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair sentiment. You know exactly how dad feels. We all do. But the I only doink that I can think about is the Phil Dawson doink in the Ravens game. The, but the, that also the double doink. In. That also went. In. No, it hit the hit, hit the, the post that was and, holding and it up. Back. Hit the bounce back. Yeah. Didn't didn't Phil also have one that hit hit the upright, hit the crossbar, and went in? Mm. Possibly. Wouldn't surprise me. I feel like that had happened previously one time, but the the one that hit the, hit the upright or the the <laughs> brace and that was wild. Came back. And it's like, wait a minute, guys. What do you do? I don't know. I've never seen it before. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The uh, I was nervous at that particular point in the game when we lined up goal. that field goal. Like I was nervous because I definitely saw. Would you have a, preferred them to go for it? No, I wanted them to kick the field goal. I thought it was the right move, but putting you know, the game in Cody Parkey's hands in there. Like, I don't, I just don't feel like I have enough, enough of a runway with Cody Parkey to like, it's like, it's like, I really feel confident about that situation. You're on like a second date with Cody Parkey. You're not like, if things go bad, you're just going to cut bait pretty quick. You're not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. He hasn't, he hasn't earned the benefit of the doubt to that point. And so, um, it did make me nervous because there's a really clear path to that, like going poorly, give the ball back to a veteran quarterback like Phillip rivers and, with some time left, and it, it could have gotten bad. <clears throat> but there wasn't that much time left. That was the difference between that game and what happened with the Seahawks and the Vikings, too. I mean, the Browns had it down to, like, 25 seconds. Yeah. Well, the Seahawks and the Vikings thing. I, I've, I've heard people talk about this today, saying that the, the Vikings should have kicked the field goal because of who Russell Wilson is, that he can go and make this – drive to get all the way to the end zone that's the reason to go for that and i know and that's it doesn't make any sense to me because that's the exact reason why you go for it because russell wilson is going to drive down the field you want to end it you want to end it you want to actually end it it didn't it didn't end up helping the vikings cause that the seahawks ended up scoring a touchdown and then missed the extra point 
or the two point conversion to to go up three, right? Yeah. And so people point to that and be like, "See, yeah, yeah. kick it." Frustrating, frustrating for sure. Um, all right, let's talk about our uh, our safeties in this game, um, Michael. I'm sure you feel largely validated um, for sure with your chest pumped out, Sheldrick Redwine. I, I well, I also want to say that was complete. You, oh, I, like he, he was. He made the catch. <laughs> he did. He make made the, the catch. He, he was where he needed to be to make the play, and he <laughs> made the play. But it was definitely a terrible throw by Philip Rivers, and absolutely um, miserable. Wasn't exactly. But you know, forced, forced by Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett forced him to step up. Philip Rivers dropped his eyes, picked his eyes back up, and forced the throw into a window that he shouldn't have. Yep. It was a relatively routine interception, to be perfectly honest. Honestly, both of them were fairly simple interceptions. But would have Sendejo caught it? It's a question. Would Sendejo have been there? That's Sendejo. I was telling this to Matthew in the game. It's just consistently. Just well, Sendejo barely, was in that play. I'm barely pretty sure Sendejo played all the snaps. So I think Sendejo is unfairly blamed for some of the things. Well, yeah, but he's so consistently terrible that it's like, even if you got credit for the things that aren't your fault, but, you're still pretty awful. Like at all, that kind of comes with the territory of being the, a free safety. You know, like if if you're getting beat over the middle, it's the free safety's fault. And he's kind of just a half step too slow. It feels yeah. like, unfortunately, he's been there and he's been there a couple of times where he doesn't. He's not able to make the play on the ball. Yeah, he just like where where if yes. he's close, he hasn't made the play on the ball, and so it's hurt a lot. He looks like he's getting burned every single time. Yep, it was great to see Redwine get in there. He did get the pick. He didn't have that many snaps. He kind of went in there at the end after Harrison got knocked out with a concussion. But Harrison, in his own right, I think made a case for a lot more snaps. I mean, he was around the ball. We saw that pick six, which obviously swung the game significantly at that very point in time. I mean, that guy looks like a different level athlete than the other than the other safeties that we've had on the field. Like, let that man play more. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I hope he gets the opportunity. I hope he um, he left with concussion-like symptoms or evaluated for a concussion. I don't know if they've confirmed it or not, but I hope he gets an opportunity. Yep. Because I, w- I would love to see some more Ronnie Harrison on the field. I mean, what's the potential argument against it? Just that he's not assimilated into our defensive scheme yet? Like, how many weeks do you need? I mean, he, he should do you be. think he's dumb? He should be as assimilated as, like, Carl Joseph. Like, he's had, he's he's had like, more practices than Carl Joseph probably had before he started they say, in week one. Uh, going back to his time at Alabama, they say that he was making, like, all kinds of calls. All I the saw defensive people talking, calls, All the yeah. defensive calls and really? stuff when he was at Alabama. So he's definitely not dumb. Well, yeah. that's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I yeah. do remember that. He was like Nick Saban's guy. It's not and, an Antonio Callaway situation. Yeah, or a Vince Young or <clears throat> Frank Gore. Oh, man. Hey, Frank Gore's been around for a long time. Frank Gore's the man. Sorry, Frank. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> Gosh, I'm the worst. Everybody loves Frank Gore. I just drug him <laughs> because of his four on the Wonder Lake. <laughs> <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> All right. What other highlights? Anything else sticking out to you in this game, either side of the ball? Um, I think you mentioned earlier, Matthew, or maybe it was you, Michael. Jordan Elliott um, had some some flash in the pan plays where where he looked really good. Oh, you mean uh, Car- or 
Not Jacob Jordan Phillips. Phillips. Jacob, Jacob Phillips. Phillips. Sorry. I get those two names confused I do. all the time. I feel two like first it, names. I feel like there's yeah, there's <laughs> two first names. Yeah. It's two generic names. Yeah. Like it's just it's too much for me. My brain just can't handle it. I always remember Jacob Phillips' name, but I can never remember Jordan Elliott's <laughs> name. <laughs> Kills me. No, he he flashed on a couple of plays. Like our linebackers are arguably the weakest position group on the team. Um, probably definitely the weakest position group on the team. And there was the one screen pass. That went out to, I think it was Naheen Himes. And Phillips had a clear run through it, but he had to get through a little bit of traffic, like through the middle. And he just burst through the hole and drug him down. And it was the difference in like a 20-yard gain versus like a a couple-yard gain. And I've not seen any other linebacker on this current Browns roster make a play anywhere close to that at anywhere near the level of speed. Well, well, he's so explosive and he's such a good tackler. Yeah. Like, like that's where he's going to be able to thrive. Yes. That our other linebackers are a, a lot more plodding, shall we say. And I did notice, though, that his grade wasn't very good on this game, if you look at, like, PFF grade. So that, that tell I mean, I'm no, like, expert in, you know, reading these things. But what that tells me is that he probably isn't, like, picking his spots very well and, like, reading what's in front of him and making the right reads. But when he can just react and go – in a situation like that where the hole is relatively open, he's like just got to get from point A to point B yeah. and make the tackle. Like that's where Jacob Phillips is going to be great. When he's covering point. the guy on the flat or like trying to trying to make the play on like a stretch run from the backside. Yep. Like he's going to be able to when he's chasing to, to when he's, see it and when go. He, when he sees it, it's got to chase it down yeah. and like make it happen. It's good. When he's got to read what's in front of him and hit the right hole, I think that he's it's taken him some time to get used to it. And he hasn't had that many reps. He's kind of been injured. He hasn't had that many practice reps. He didn't practice that much in, in preseason, even in camp. He didn't get have he's, that much time. He's the kind of guy who would have done, uh, got a lot of valuable reps in preseason games. Yes. He would have played a ton yeah. and been able to see a bunch and have that on tape and be able to go through it with the coaching staff. I'll, I love me some Jacob Phillips yep. and, and what we have potentially in I'm, him. No, I'm he's excited. Not there, he's not there yet, but I don't, Give me all the stock on Jacob Phillips. He is one of those like role, one of those players that's going to be like that seems like he's just going to be super solid for the Browns. Like that's not like a Pro Bowl style like linebacker necessarily. Like that might be his ceiling, but he seems like a guy that's going to be super reliable and a consistent contributor. And that is what you want. What ridiculous linebackers LSU had? <clears throat> yeah. Jacob Phillips, Pat Queen, White. What, what's White's first Devin name? White. Devin White. Yep. All playing on the same team. That whole team was ridiculous. No, that whole team I was mean, just that, nasty. Best ever? Yep. <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't think that's really – I don't feel like I'm going out on a limb there. Um, all right, so I'm curious what you guys think about um, the middle of our defense, just our, our linebacker situation and our safety situation. There's a lot of mix-ups in happening. We're playing a lot of different people there because of injuries and stuff like that. But what are both of your ideal – starting lineups for linebacker and free and strong safety well i would love to see i don't know about starting lineups but i would love to see if assuming everyone's healthy at linebacker to see predominantly um malcolm smith who was phenomenal in pass mm-hmm. coverage this week and jacob phillips to to be honest with bj goodson playing rundowns i'm okay with him being there on rundowns but lord knows get him out on passing downs and then at safety i think we we have injury problems there, so it's a challenge. But I think we can get a nice, healthy rotation where Redwine and um, 
Harrison get a whole lot of snaps and hopefully are taking time away from Sandejo where Sandejo doesn't have to be in there. Well, what we haven't seen so far this year is three safeties on the field for, for very much time at all. And that's something we thought we would see like a big nickel kind of, kind of look, which we haven't seen. And I don't know Which you would think that, that might Carl be... Joseph could play in the box and like play yep. that sort of role quite, quite and so well. have Carl Joseph playing a hybrid linebacker type role, um, get some athleticism down there. I feel like there's still a lot that we can do with our defense that maybe has been limited because of the personnel that we've had available at any yeah. given time. I mean, with Ronnie Harrison being slow on the up arriving light, I mean, he, he didn't know the defense and you can't just throw him right out there. And then with Greedy Williams being hurt and Kevin Johnson being out for, for the first week or two, like we just haven't had the opportunity to have our ideal guys out there. Um, when healthy, I love Malcolm Smith and I, I would roll with Jacob Phillips. And and I could be wrong in rolling with Jacob Phillips. I haven't I haven't watched all twenty two. Just like watching Jacob Phillips reps, he he might be a liability in areas that I'm missing. But dude can do things that none of our other linebackers can do. And you feel and like they complement each other really well. Yeah, I I like that pairing pretty well with the Miles or Taki Malcolm Taki, Smith. Taki Taki needs some love here too because Taki Taki's been playing fairly well. I would definitely prefer He would be he would be my third. If we're yeah. running thir- three linebackers, I'll I'll go with those three. Um Goodson being the fourth and then whoever Goodson else gets, you want to f- He gets tackles. He does, but they're always so far downfield. <laughs> I'm not a huge Goodson fan. Um I'm going to be happy to let him play out his one-year contract and move along. So that that would be my – I would like to see more big nickel if we're healthy, and I would like to see uh, more Malcolm Smith and Jacob Phillips if they can. Yep. That makes sense. Well, let's, let's, um, let's move on. Uh, unless you guys want to talk about some of these injuries, um, there is something that I want to note that Greedy just got moved to IR um, for a nerve – something in his shoulder it's a shoulder injury he's been dealing with that they didn't think was a big deal and now he's been out for the first five weeks and now they're moving him to ir so he's out for another three at minimum um, they do think he's coming back this year though well Stefanski said they said just, they're not ruling him out i saw somebody wrote i think it was brent sobleski wrote that um it wasn't widely publicized but that even in the draft that there were some concerns about gritty williams shoulder being able to hold up long term and so that is seems like a pretty big red flag. We should reach out to Dane, see if he. No, it's a good idea. Confirm. It's a good idea. So, anyways, I think that's a concern. I I would just hate to have a lost season from Greedy Williams. Like, we really exactly. need to know what we have in Greedy Williams, and right now we do not have any clue what we have in that second round corner that we drafted just last year. And so, for Andrew Barry's sake, I want to get some Greedy Williams out there on the field so that we can take stock of, of what he can contribute. Yeah. Um, and then there's also another huge one. It's amazing what four weeks can do. Um, but Wyatt Teller out with a calf. Um, Matthew, I think you were saying that during the game. If this happened week one, you would have been like, well, if we're going to lose somebody. Uh, but now, now we're sitting where well, we are. Well, it's amazing how four weeks yeah. can change it. Like, exactly. Um, like first, where we are. first quarter of week one, we would have been like, oh, good. Thank God. It's just my – thank good just it's Teller. Wyatt Teller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he has been grading out perfectly. And so I don't know what your guys' impression was or if you've heard anything today, but it seemed to me like he was trying to go back in that game early on and that he was, like, ready to go. But 
He got held out. I don't know if it was just precautionary or what. Stefanski said that, you know, it's a strained calf and that it's more of a week-to-week injury than a day-to-day injury. And so that seems to indicate that it'll be hard for him to play this coming week, you know, against Pittsburgh, which is a bummer. But credit to Hubbard. He went in there and he played well throughout the the whole game, as far as I could tell. I didn't notice anything glaring. I haven't seen him. Apparently, that was the first time he'd ever played guard in, in a game, ever. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I'd go as far to say that he played well, but I think he played admirably given his lack of experience there. And apparently he had played one practice snap at guard last week. And that was the extent of his time that he's practiced at guard, um, leading into the game. So I, I felt like he was giving up a good amount of push and the pocket was collapsing a little bit on the Chris Hubbard side of the line, but um, I think a week full of practice will help him a whole lot. It's clear. I mean, he's got the tools that you would want, and we've got arguably the best offensive line coach there is. Well, so well, I'm, well, I like what a week with Bill Callahan having Hubbard um, at that spot could do. To uh, Well, also Wyatt Teller was up. explicitly clear that his role on the team is that Joel tells him what to do, and then he just goes and attacks that person. Yeah. So he's <laughs> Joel like, I and have, J.C. Treader. He's like, I have no idea what the blocking schemes are. Joel just tells me where to go, and I killed that person. So Chris Hubbard can do that. Yep. He doesn't have to learn a ton. Won't be a huge learning curve. They can just keep doing that for Hubbard. Yep. The, I mean, that was a big offensive injury, but we just kept getting injured on the defensive line too. Jordan Elliott whose name did just come to mind. That was nice. Um, went down. Sheldon Richardson went down and then came back. And so we're just kind of decimated. We had brought Joey Ivy up to the active roster um, from the practice squad last week. And I don't know if he got any snaps yesterday, but he was like about to be one of our only two defensive tackles that we actually had available to play. And so that is a position that is not looking good. I think Olivier Vernon went out at the end of the game. I mean, there's a whole lot of injuries of guys just getting, like, nicked up. The Ronnie Harrison. Um, I didn't see much Porter. Did Porter Gustin play? Well, no, because we played had, a ton. Uh, did he? He played a ton. He had to play, like, the whole game um, because we were getting all those injuries. We played a handful of snaps where we had three defensive ends in there with, you know, Gustin, um, Garrett, and Claiborne sometimes and Vernon other times. Yeah, he got a lot of looks. Yeah, the injuries are a concern, and obviously the number one of those was the undisclosed Baker rib injury um, that we were alluding to earlier. I wonder what the extent of that is. It looked like it was a shoulder. We remember the tackle where he just got driven into the ground. Um, didn't I had flashbacks much. from last week about the same time period, literally seven days apart, going down. On a shoulder. Oh, you're talking about me. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I did. And that is still bothering me. I hope Baker doesn't have what I have because I'm not throwing a football anytime soon. (laughs) So if if Baker has that, then he's gonna be out for a couple of couple more weeks at minimum. Um but he was explicitly clear in the postgame press conference when he's feeling a little spicy, kind of like old Baker Mayfield, that uh he was gonna play in the game against the Steelers next week because and I quote Mama didn't raise no wuss. Um, there so, we go. There we go. You heard it here first. Kind of made his bed. He also – that was a fun press conference by Baker. He hasn't done that in a he while. Also, he yeah. also called uh, the, the team a big, hairy American winning machine. <laughs> 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 Which I just love that verbiage. 
don't exactly know what it means. Pulled that from Talladega Nights. It's a Talladega Nights quote. Is that a Ricky Bobby quote? It is. Which is great. Which is the right vibe for Baker. Like Baker Baker's at his best when he's like channeling his inner Ricky Bobby, right? I opened the show with a Ricky Bobby quote. Yeah. It's great. So we've come full circle. Um, all right. Anything else about the game that you guys want to know? Nope. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to this upcoming division rival Steelers game. The undefeated Steelers. First time they've been 4-0 since like the 60s or something like that, which was surprising to me when I heard that stat. But hopefully we can break that winning streak from them. What do you guys expect to see against this? Another really, really good defense that we're going up against. Two of the best. I'm no longer worried about our offense being able to execute in these game scripts. Like Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt have won my trust in that front that like, we're going to scheme up something that's going to be effective. And even if it's not that they'll be able to adjust and will, and they'll be prepared to make those adjustments. So that doesn't concern me that much. The thing that concerns me just in general going into this game is the status of our division. And the fact that we're four and one and we're sitting in third place in our division. And so there feels like such little room for error if we want to like compete. And I know it's early, there's a lot of stuff that's gonna happen. And there's an like, extra and there's an extra playoff team this year, which gives you a little more more runway. That's true. That gives us a little more flexibility, but it still is just so frustrating that where the Browns are off to this modern era historic start and we're not even sniffing the we're hardly sniffing the top right now. And this game would go such a long way towards us, you know, truly competing um, for the division lead. And so I just want to make it happen. But I, I said going into this last week, if we win one of these next two games against the Colts and the Steelers, like I'm going to feel pretty good. So I don't think that any of us, unless the Browns put up a complete stinker, even if we don't come away with a win, like I there's no yeah. reason to panic. Like it's it's just fine to be sitting at four yeah. and two at that point in our. I said the same thing two weeks ago, looking at the the Colts game, the Steelers game, yeah. and all these. We went two out of three. I'm gonna be happy. So I'm not gonna be upset if we lose yeah. against the Steelers. Um, I said I'm fine about the offense, but I am very interested to see how the defense holds up against the Steelers. Like if we can continue to get pass rush like Miles did in particular this past week, I think that we could set ourselves up for something good. I don't think that I don't think that Pittsburgh has really seen that sort of pass rush yet. Pits, Pittsburgh, we are the best team that the Steelers will have played thus far this season. What is do you do you know who they've played exactly? Steelers I know have, it hasn't been Steelers Giants. have played the Giants, the Texans, Broncos. The Broncos and Eagles. Eagles. Just this last week. And they beat the Texans by like six. Those are not like. teams that have won a lot of games this year. The Eagles are probably the best team that they've played. That was a close game up until the end. It became a close game, yeah. Um, and the Eagles are not the Eagles that they've been. We, we are by far the best team that the Steelers have played. They, they haven't seen a challenge on the defensive line like Miles Garrett and the guys that we have present. They also have not faced an offense that is as proficient as our offense has been. I think that we match up pretty well against the Steelers, actually. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. I think the Steelers could have a hard time scoring on our defense. Like and our defense is not our our strength. I'm worried but about like, our secondary. Yeah, they're scoring through receivers. the air though. They are they're not throwing the ball long though. Yeah. It's it's these quick passes, it's close to the line of scrimmage. It's it's like old man quarterbacking yeah. to the T. 
Ben Roethlisberger might see Andrew Sandejo back there and start licking his chops. We'll see. Go for it. We'll see. But yeah. the Steelers might be um, David DeCastro went out in the first quarter with an abdominal injury. Mike Pouncey, or Marquise Pouncey, sorry, yeah. wrong brother, went out with a foot injury in the fourth quarter. His status is unknown. They already lost their right tackle for the year. They could be down on the offensive line, and Miles Garrett and his boys could feast. Yeah, I, I think that is going to continue to be the path to victory for the Browns, is to continue to force turnovers through that, that pass rush. And um, I'm just anxious to see if we can pull it off against, against these guys. They, I mean, because they've been pretty solid so far so far this year hopefully like dad always says we can get a nice deep leader on ben roethlisberger that'd be satisfying well that's the underlying that's the underlying storyline right is what happened last time the browns played the steelers i mean i don't think it's any mistake or it's not a coincidence that the nfl buried this in the one o'clock slate of games you know, this is a big-time game, and I don't think the NFL wanted a huge spotlight on this game because they don't want to relive, you know, the drama that happened last year with Miles Garrett in the helmet and Mason Rudolph. They, they don't want to make it a big thing. Yep, they're not. So just bury even though it's a great matchup. It's a fantastic matchup. Like, even, you know, in almost any circumstances, like, lots of people are going to be interested in this game, but it's buried in the 1 o'clock slate with, you know, every other game. Uh, but you know both of these teams are going to be up for it, and you especially know that Miles Garrett is going to be up for this game. I mean, he might make. What if he it rips could off, be? What if he rips off Ben Roethlisberger's helmet? <laughs> <laughs> I would just love rips it, it off and then goes just like. <laughs> what if he rips it off and then just like hands it to him like a platter? <laughs> like here you go, sir. Oh, man. I mean, I'm excited for this game because of all of those reasons. But is there a sack celebration that he could do that would, like, somehow an make homage, homage to, to the, it? Yes. Yeah. Could he, like, just, like, act like he's grabbing a helmet and, like, rip back and, like, smash? <laughs> that should it be, could be, like, 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 a Thor a, smash, it'd be like, but it'd be, like, a, it'd be, like, a big, like, hammer smash. That would be he, would, he would get fined People for sure. So, <laughs> people would be, like, my my friends. That were like, he should go to jail for doing that celebration. He should be in prison. Uh, like everybody was. <laughs> um, Your friends might be racist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, dear. One of, one of the... Uh, Matthew, you were telling me about it. I think it's so funny. I just want to mention it because I hate the Steelers and I hate Ben Roethlisberger. That tweet that like went viral, that it was like, your quarterback, if they were fat. And then there was this like filter over all the quarterbacks. And it had like... Baker Mayfield, and he had like all this extra fat on his face. Deshaun Watson, yeah, um, and then Sam Darnold looked hilarious. Everybody, fat. everybody looks like they gained yeah. 150 yeah, pounds. 150 yeah. pounds, and then it was just a normal picture of Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> <laughs> it was all 32 <laughs> quarterbacks, but Ben Roethlisberger was the only one who was unaffected. I saw some Steelers fans retweeting, and they're like, "I'm not gonna lie, I laughed." <laughs> they're like, "We love his pudge. His pudge is uh, that's what keeps him from going down. He's thick, though." He is. He is a poor girl. I'd love to see Ben Roethlisberger get another sack. Um, so the difference in this game, you guys think, will be? I think it's largely going to be how our secondary fares against their wide receivers, of which they continue to find 
wide receivers deep in the draft. Claypool obviously had this ridiculous game last week. Mm -hmm. But what can we do against Washington, Smith-Schuster, and Claypool? Can we actually keep them from going over the middle and going over the top consistently throughout the game and get enough pass rush that they can't get that far into our defense? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like any game. I think it's like going to be key to win the turnover battle, and there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, but if we win the turnover battle, I'm pretty confident that we'll be standing on the right side of this one. I feel I would feel really good about our chances at least. I think the key to this game is our offensive line against their defensive line. I mean, that's the strength of their team is the f- the three big bodies that they've got there, and then Dupree and T.J. Watt on the outside. If we can win, the, if our offensive line, which is good enough to match up against their guys, if we can win that battle, we will have neutralized their best asset and we will be in a position to win this game. Yeah, it's a bummer that Teller may not be available. Um, it would have been fun to see a full strength um, unit against against theirs. Yep, absolutely. All right, should um, we make the picks? Yeah, we should. Let's move on to the lines. Who's winning that, by the I'd way? I'd like to take a moment to s- celebrate Mark because oh. this is his moment in the spotlight. We've been oh. doing this podcast for oh. four, four, four That's years. That's a lot of money. Was yeah. this four years we've been doing this, this podcast? This is season four. Um, sure. And this might be the first. I think this is the first week that Mark has been holding the crown um, in the entire four years with the picks. So we're going to give just him his dis- moment in glory. I, I just decided uh, it doesn't feel like a moment in glory with that <laughs> intro. You piece of work um i i decided to stop flipping a coin for every pick and it turns out that that's all right (laughs) i can can, turns out my brain might actually be better than the coin well and it's amazing how our pick percentage is so improved when the browns play well it's directly tied to how good the browns are because we're so optimistic about the browns winning that's why you never you never bet on your home team because you're so biased. Uh, which is which is really saying something because we've been pretty darn close to fifty fifty. Like yeah. all, none of us have been really bad. Yes, it's true. And we always pick the Browns. Yeah, but this Just, this year we're crushing it. We are absolutely. So this week's a weird week. COVID schedule. COVID moved the schedules around, and so there's really not there is not a Thursday night game this week, which we would normally pick. So instead, we're gonna move this move and pick the Tuesday night game. It's technically a week five game, but we'll, TNF. we'll pick it um, ahead of time since everybody's going to be watching who's it. Who's broadcasting that game? Is it the end? It should be CBS. Is it just normal CBS? Yeah, that's what it's, they did last it's week. It's not with like the, the Thursday night football crew is just moving up to, what's, to Tuesday. What's being bumped and how mad are housewives going to be? How like is it like the bachelor? Probably like Young Shelton. <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't watched that. Uh, so Buffalo's favored by three and a half, heading to Tennessee, who has a lot of. Pl- if they play this game, is going to have a ton of players that are going to be out, um, which I think makes a huge difference. What, what is the process for getting out of COVID like protocol? You've got to have two two negative tests. Two negative like tests. Twenty four hours. Period, there's a period of time. Um, I think that has to pass as well. I don't think okay. it's just two negative tests. So like, so like a lot of those players who were responsible for testing positive and like getting the everything yeah. pushed, like they might not be available. Correct. Okay. Yes. That's that's tough. Yes. Oh, that's tough. And they haven't been able to really practice. Their facility hasn't been for open two straight weeks. Well, leave it to Ryan Tannehill. He'll he had an he and the, the lovely folks so, at well, NBA will take care of it. Yeah, they were practicing at NBA, which is this private school here in Nashville. We live in Nashville, if you guys don't know. But uh, there's this private school in Nashville, and all these NBA kids are like, who are these monsters out on our football field? Like, And so they're taking pictures, and then they're like, oh, my gosh, that's Ryan Tannehill. That's the like, Tennessee Titans. That's, a, that's like my hero. And then like the Titans players are like, why would you post that photo? It's like, 
These kids have never... Yeah, what? This is the they're best... 15. That's why. <laughs> it's a 15-year-old child, and this is the best moment of their life. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Anyways, three and a half points against a team that's probably missing a handful of really significant players and hasn't practiced in two weeks. Like, I'm going to take the well-coached Buffalo Bills team to cover those three and a half points, personally. Mark? Um, yeah, I wish I had seen more of the Titans moving into this week. I know what they were last year, but they squeaked out a bunch of bunch of games against like the Broncos, the Jags, um, barely beat the Vikings. And so I wish I'd saw that Steelers Titans game. Um, and so I'm not so confident that they are what they were last year. And so I'm also going to take the Bills. Matthew. You said the Bills are well coached, which I agree with, but the Titans are also well coached. And I don't think the Bills have really played anybody who's of significance. I don't trust Josh Allen. Like, even in that game, who they, they beat the Rams. Which they beat they're, the they're, Raiders. The, right. the Rams is pretty good. I don't, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. In, in the clutch, I think the Titans have a really good defense. Yeah. Keep burying yourself yeah. further. That's fine. Go That's with fair. the Titans. I, that works. I just want to... I want to comment. I trust Josh Allen, Josh Allen with my whole life. With everything, every fiber of my being, I trust Josh Seems Allen. Seems irresponsible. He is – he wins, man. He cares and he wins. Um, I'm no – never taking investing advice from, from Mark, no matter what. Nope. Never. Can't do it. <laughs> Mark um, loves the volatility. <laughs> you betcha. Hey, speaking of, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't own Bitcoin, <laughs> you, you should absolutely buy some Bitcoin. Um, LA Rams favored also by three and a half points at the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Mr. Bitcoin, can you give us your pick? Yeah, 49ers just got absolutely crushed, just embarrassed by uh, the Miami Dolphins this last week. And I don't think the 49ers are as bad as they played. I think they're going to be pissed. I think they're going to be angry. And I think they're going to come back and have a bounce back game. Okay. And so I'm taking the 49ers over the Rams, even though I like the Rams a lot. But it's yep. Okay. Matthew, what you got? 49ers are just struggling at their skill position players right now. And they've got no pass rush. Like, that, that defense is neutered they right missed, now without huh, – They missed DeForest Buckner. Yeah. With, without DeForest Buckner, without D. Ford hasn't been playing. Joey Bosa is a big loss. Like Nick they, Bosa. Nick Bosa, sorry. They just don't have the, the horses that they do. I think the Rams are better than people are giving them credit for. I'm going to take the Rams. I've got the Rams, too. Um, and that brings us to this Cleveland Browns at Pittsburgh Steelers game. Ironically, also a three-and-a-half-point line in favor of the Steelers. So they're spotting us some points, and I think it's a pretty even matchup in the first place. So I'm going to go with the Browns. Does anybody feel differently? Browns. Why would I pick the Steelers? It's a Cleveland Browns podcast, and we're picking the Browns. And we're 4-1. and, and one. Come on. Yeah, we got a good coach. We're feeling solid about the preparation. Um, I think the only thing that would make me feel worse about this game is if I find out that a lot of these injuries are going to keep guys on the sideline. But I feel like a lot of these are ones that they're going to work out by the end of the week and are, we're largely yeah, going to be there are okay. a lot of like you were out for the game, but you might come back yeah. week to week kind of stuff. Yeah, um, it, it, I agree with you. It could have a big impact. But well, from where we're sitting now, I like the Browns. All right, friends. Well, we got a four and one Browns team. I hope to talk to you guys next week with a five and one Browns team. Steelers third in the division. Can't wait to see it. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.